the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into our three for your drive home, if it's Thursday, we have Sam Stone. Sam Stone is a political consultant in town, also host of his own radio show, Breaking Battlegrounds. I understand you are now doing primetime Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Is that right, Sammy? Yes, indeed. Moving moving to the fantastic new spot, 9 a.m. I'm actually really excited about that, honestly. Cause yeah. I think just naturally a lot more people are tuned in at that time of day than they are in the middle of the afternoon. Oh, so I, I think, think it's, it's great. great. I think it's great. Saturdays at 9 a.m. for Breaking Battlegrounds with Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. And um, wonderful. What else can I say about you? He has a great Twix, which is Twitter X, a uh, great Twix uh, account, at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. And uh, it's just good to talk to you, Sam. I love our Thursday. This visits. week's episode is is going to be great, but I we just got word that we have locked down uh, Rand Paul for next week's episode on Breaking Battlegrounds. So that's one my, my libertarian leaning, uh, small L libertarian leaning heart is beating very strongly for. I heard Sam, um, a radio host who's close to Donald Trump, say he knows who. Donald Trump's VP pick is. He said it's not a woman. And I wonder if you think Rand Paul might be in the mix. I don't. Okay. Uh, I don't. I think he's a little too independent and too much in track in his own lane. If you hadn't said, I hadn't heard that bit that it wasn't going to be a woman. And who Uh, knows how true these things are, too. I mean, you know, people change their minds, is my point. But the top two frontrunners that I would have said without that little bit were Ben Carson and Elise Stefanik. So interesting. I would have said Tim Scott or Christy Noem. I think very good ones, both of those also. Um, but let's talk about yours for a second. Let, uh, uh, you said Elise Stefanik, and who was your first one? Ben Carson. And we are, let's just stipulate... Assuming presumptively here, Donald Trump is the nominee at this point and everything else is fluff, right? Yeah. Okay. I've been assuming presumptively that he <laughs> okay. was the nominee okay. for like the last 90 days. Good. So, yeah. Okay. yeah okay. And, and by okay. the way, I mean, for folks like the people that are like, oh, there's only a small number of people that turned out. It's Iowa. There's never a large number of people who turn out. Caucuses are complex. You're there for hours. It's a commitment. The fact that that many people turned out in those temperatures and that snowstorm is amazing and quite frankly it was a much stronger turn for donald trump and by the way i think the exact worst possible result for both desantis and haley because neither one of them got an edge that would move the other one out of the field that's kind of interesting what did you make uh, and we'll get back to the vp choices in a second but just as long as we're flowing here what did you make of that odd comment of nikki haley's so the third person the third uh, yeah, second runner-up to third place says it's now a two-person race. Kind of an odd thing to say, but I guess if Bill Clinton can say he's the comeback kid when he didn't win, maybe you get away with it. I don't know. What do you think? 
I, I felt like that was a line some consultant wrote when they expected her to be second, yeah. and then DeSantis was looking down the barrel of a you know very difficult New Hampshire electorate where he's now polling in single digits. The problem was you should have figured out a new line out as soon as you came in third. Right. You know, I mean, the the correct line for Nikki Haley is listen. Uh, DeSantis's path forward is much narrower than mine because I'm strong in New Hampshire. I'm strong in South Carolina. I have a chance to build momentum. He does not. He, there's no next state up for Ron DeSantis. He put all his marbles on Iowa, and that didn't happen. That would have been a very good explanation of where she's at, maybe too long for TV, but, but accurate. This, it's a two-person race. No, it's, it's not. It's not even a, it's not a race. It's over. Um, Why does Ron DeSantis and, think he can beat her in South Carolina? Not even the polling suggests that, but he is adamant about him recovering in South he, Carolina. I think he's saying what he has to say if he has any hope to continue to that point. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I think realistically the best, quite frankly, for Ron DeSantis would have been for him to finish third in Iowa and drop out and just go back to being the governor of Florida where he's been very successful, he can start rebuilding a little bit from from some of the the tarnish that's gotten on his brand, uh, and really just focus back down. He's he's a young man with a, a bright future still in front of him. So let's not you know overdo the DeSantis hate by any means. But it does feel a little bit like saying he's going to South Carolina and seeing all the resources he's putting in there that I think is is going to be a Waterloo for him. Um, it it seems like he's going through this self-diminishing dance right now, almost an embarrassing thing to watch a little bit. I, I hate to say it, but it does it kind of I kind of cringe to think that he's thinking that this is going to be a good strategy. Seth, you know, I know you're not a huge baseball fan, but there's kind of a, a long standing adage in baseball that I'm I'm 100 percent believer in is you have a top prospect. You don't know if they're going to be a great major leaguer okay. or not okay. until they've hit the wall and really had a setback and some struggles and okay. and not been successful. And then they have to adapt, adjust, and move forward. Okay. Um, the problem for Ron DeSantis is that he's done that, and he's continuing now to struggle and continuing to go forward in a way that will hurt him long term instead of help him. So you kind of agree um, with me. He feels he looks like a fish out of water right now a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I really believe the best thing for him, for his future, would have been a third place finish yeah. in Iowa that yeah. caused him to drop out. Yeah. Um, Sudden death so rather than slow death. Yeah. yeah, because this is just it's not going to be a good narrative between now and South Carolina and the analysis of what happens there. It's not going to go well for him. He's got no traction in New Hampshire. Uh, and, and, you know, look, South Carolina, Nikki Haley was elected governor of twice. She's not going to finish behind him in that state. Uh, so it just doesn't make much sense, except as an an exercise in ego uh, that that just exacerbates those struggles. And, and, you know, like baseball, the problem is that once you've lost your confidence, when you lost your mojo. Yep. Boy, it's hard to ever get it back. Yeah, yeah, you're just never the same, right? You just you, yeah. you're just self questioning the whole time. And by the way, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out something. Some folks may get a little mad. Sure. I do this from time to time. Yep. Donald Trump needs to find his 2016 mojo. Okay. The campaign now is too bitter and too angry, and I understand he's got more reason to be bitter and angry than any politician in the history of the United States. Mm-hmm. But 
bitter and angry doesn't sell. Hopeful, make America great again. We're going to be the you know greatest, the greatest, greatest. That sells, and he needs to get back to that. Yes, and I will say for these rallies that he's engaging in, you want them fun. You want yeah. them fun. That was yeah. the 2016 mojo. It was some of the 2020. You want them fun, not bitter. And and they're coming across as bitter. And I've talked to a lot of people who have been there. And they're like, man, back in 2016, you could go to these things. And you were there for eight hours. Right. And it felt like it was eight minutes. Right. And it was the most fun that we've had in politics and blah, blah, blah. And now they're coming away going, well, I, I'm 100% behind him. But they're not having fun. Yeah. And Boy, he needs to get back to that. I, no. I get it. I do get the bitterness, but, man, you you got to course correct there also. Yeah, I understand, and 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 um, and and we'll just hope and watch for the best. Maybe maybe he gets that in New Hampshire. Maybe he does that in New Hampshire. You know, you got to think about you know, if you step back and you think about running a presidential race and the exhaustion of that, and all the interviews and all the uh, pressing of the flesh. And all the just looking over every little thing that comes your way. I mean, the exhaustion level is tremendous. Now add the court cases where he is appearing at some of them. I mean, and showing up in places like Iowa, the drain has got to be a incredible. Maybe he gets a little relief because New Hampshire's a little closer. Um, may, may, maybe he does, and maybe maybe he can lighten it up a little bit. He needs to. I agree with you on that. I think. I also think, and I and I know this would be, you know, it depends on who they are and, and what they're doing right now. But I actually think if if your choice is a VP is made, yeah, let's do that. Then you ought to go ahead and just say it and get someone out there who can help surrogate for you in that regard and take some of that burden. Well, it would energize uh, an awful lot, and and so I want to run through those with you when we come back. Let's go through at least the four that we think are in the offing uh when we do come back let me put in a plug for your show and it's brand new spanking time on saturday mornings at 9 a.m breaking battlegrounds sam stone and chuck warren it's a great show what a great thing that you're moving to saturday mornings i love that and um you can follow sam on his twix account sam the paul p-o-l we also promised a listener we'd say something about this uh light rail thing that took place anything that gets people on the light rail i guess huh? sam sam stone and i'll be right back welcome back to the seth leapson show coming to you from the 960 patriot broadcast studio which is brought to you by the veteran-owned midas gold group your trusted source for precious metals sam stone is my guest political consultant and radio host in his own right uh all right yeah let's run down our four choices here our four combined possibilities for that we think uh um if i get one of the two or if you get one of the two sam one of us the the winner has to buy the other person dinner deal and if neither of us get either of them david has to buy us dinner what yeah (laughs) yeah 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 I, I love the odds on this, given the potential number of candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's probably a potential 80 million candidates and uh, something like that. And, well, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, so there's a 79.9 million chance to one that I'm buying. No, to dinner. four. To four. To four. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. 79.9 But it's really a 50-50 chance. No, it's a 50-50 chance. You're looking at this all wrong, young David. Oh, yeah. Sam, explain it, 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 it,
absolutely yeah. true. And also, while we're on this, can can we naturalize Javier Malay in time to? Oh yeah, to yeah. Him up there? Yes, we will naturalize him. Let's see. So that's the only. Is that the only thing that keeps him from running for um, vice presidency or presidency? His 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 country of birth. I think well, so. the fact that he's not a U.S. citizen and all that. Yeah, yeah. that would that would do it. But yeah. I mean, my goodness, the the. The knuckles on that gentleman to go in front of Davos yeah. and tell all those communists that communism is a disaster. You know, good for good on him. You know what? Book market. We'll get to it. Yeah, we got to talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. We Sorry, I'm all over the place. No, no, no. It's good. It's a mind alive. We'll we'll do it. All right. Run me by your two choices, starting with Elise Stefanik. Elise Stefanik, uh, Congresswoman from New York, head of I, I believe now she's head of the. Um, NRCC's uh, re-election kind of uh, group or whatever. Um, Very well-spoken, very smooth operator, knows knows how to get things done in Washington, has been a very effective congresswoman, um, and obviously comes from a state that you're but but the downside is she comes from a state that you're obviously not going to swing. I mean, Donald Trump's not going to get New York by bringing her on the ballot. Okay. but she may well help him in suburbs with women everywhere, yep. and that's a big deal. Yeah, I, 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 I think there is something to it. Um, I at first was skeptical, but the more I've been thinking about it and the more I've been watching her, there is something very good there. All right, give me your other choice. Well, uh, the other one is Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. On Stefanik, I would say, because we're going to get to your choice, Christy yep. Nome. The, yep. the one difference is that the suburbanite women do not see themselves as a gun-toting uh, hard shooting cow cowgirl, and they do see themselves as Elise Stefanik. Yeah. So I put that out there. I get it. Uh, ben, I get it. Ben Carson um, I, is one of the most accomplished people in the United States, right? And, and frankly, he was about the only Trump administration official who came through the the first term um, essentially unscathed in any capacity. I mean, nobody objected to the work he was doing. Particularly, he was doing a very good job at HUD. Uh, he was doing great work in terms of improving the the administrative system behind uh, that entire department. And so he's a very good choice. And obviously, then he helps reach into the African-American community and, you know, potentially could swing. Um, you know, I don't want to say Maryland's in play for a Donald Trump. Yeah. But, but he, might, he might help swing some other southern states. He, he might, might help swing yeah. a state like Virginia. Yeah, he could. Quite frankly. Yeah, he could. He could. My worry about him, and I've interviewed him, I've had him on, and you're right, his credentials are impeccable. My worry is he's just a little sleepy, and we want a little energy, or at least I want a little more energy. Um, and uh, Yeah, go ahead. It depends to me on what version of Trump is going to be out there in front of this campaign. Yeah. If, if it's if it is an angry Trump, yeah. then it's a very good contrast to have someone who is never angry. Well, that's kind of where I was going with Tim Scott. You know, it's a it's a continually cheerful countenance with him. Yeah. Um, he is the next generation. I don't know if we want two septuagenarians on the ticket. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't always matter. Reagan got young people to vote for him. Trump is getting young people to vote for him. So it doesn't always matter. I'm just thinking it through out loud with you. 
And I'm not angling for Tim Scott. He was not my first or second choice for president either. I just think there's something about that demeanor and that countenance. I really liked – you know what I liked about him? I like it when people can go into the belly of the beast and and sock it to him. I loved when he went to The View and just took no prisoners. You know, I loved that. I loved seeing him do that kind of thing. At least Stefana can do it too, by the way. I think she can. She can. She can. I, I think Tim Scott's fantastic. He'd make an excellent running mate for Donald Trump for all the reasons you name. Um, I, you know, I do think in his case, too, is the cheerful countenance. But again, there's another element behind all of this, which is that of all the people that, you know, we've named, the four we've named, yeah. Carson, Stefanik, Christy Nome, Tim Scott. Yeah. Scott is the one who's going to make the big Republican donors the most comfortable. Well, that's for sure. And he had a whole bunch of them on his own team already, didn't he? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, they they see they, a, they see a steady hand there, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. The Trump makes them nervous. Yeah. And, you know, and Christy Noam probably does, too. Christy Noam probably does, too. Yeah, and to some extent, Ben Carson, because he's not tested in having yeah. one political office. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like youthful exuberance right now. I think we could use it as, I mean, we just got a contrast with with the aged uh, 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 and senescent uh, Joe Biden, the, the vacuous at best, Kamala Harris. Christy Noam, someone said, I don't know that it brings him anything. I I don't know. It, it's She's an energy. Um, she's she's pretty well-spoken. I, I, I've seen her do great interviews. Um, but I think right now I'm going to go with one of mine and one of yours as my top choices. I'm going to go with Elise Stefanik and Tim Scott. Although whatever this person said, who may or may not be in the most current of knowledge, you know, you can know a guy can make up his mind and change it, said it's not a woman. Well, you never know. He might have changed his mind. Elise Stefanik may be in play, may very well be in play. Yeah, I don't know. And I think those are great choices if he makes either of those choices. Uh, is there anyone we're missing that people have spoken of off the top of your head that people have said might be in the offing that we haven't mentioned? Well, you know, I, I guess I should address one uh, elephant in the room You know, with me on the air here is Carrie Lake, which I, I've been laughing because the Arizona Republican and, and Lori Roberts finally, Lori's been been banging the oh trump's you know carrie's running to be trump's vp for i, I never thought now. that i just never thought that no well that's I, i'm bringing it up because it's really it was literally a humorous like diatribe in in our campaign was like oh my goodness no yeah. she's running for governor now yeah. she's running for senator yeah. that was never on the table i didn't think it was either and that was never something she saw no, so I, I that's not there no i yeah it was never there but i'm wondering if there's some other there's no no. I, well, you know, I, I, I that's why I guess I raised Rand Paul. I'm just wondering if there's anyone else who's been on the on the stage with him in this or on the stage against him on this cycle. It's not Vivek. Uh, that just it, I, it's just not. No, you know, look. I, oh, you know what? Let me take a quick break. We'll we'll say a word about yep. Vivek when we come yep. right back. Sorry, I ran down the clock here. Sam Stone is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. He is a political consultant. You can follow him on Twix at Sam DePaul. We are coming to you from the Patriot Broadcast Studio. It's brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals, talking about the Veep 
stakes. Um, and I was saying, I, Sam, I, I, it just doesn't feel like it's five ache. It just doesn't. I, um, oh, it's not. He's he's not a nominee for VP. Period. Yeah. Um, I will say, I would jump up and down for Joy if if you made him the Labor Secretary. That would be great. Boy, could you imagine what he could do with DEI from that perspective? Oh my God! Yeah, from that he'd, he'd be, that's a that's a perfect. He job would tear it out root frankly. and branch throughout the yeah. federal government. That would, that would it, be fantastic. And you know what? I hope he does get picked for something like that. He should be there for that. He I know people be. have some issues with him, but he brought up. But real not there. They don't. They wouldn't there. No. They wouldn't have those no. issues there. I mean, that would no. be, That would be a great thing for him. Yeah. His focus on federal overreach and federal bloat is really, really important, and I hope he gets that chance. That would be great. Young David says there's some chatter about Doug Burgum. The problem with that is... um, (laughs) Nobody cares about (laughs) North Dakota. (laughs) When he was making a little bit of news when he was running, the funniest thing I saw on Twitter, I don't remember who wrote it, said, do we actually have independent verification that he is the governor of North Dakota? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Has anyone ever checked that out? I mean, who is this guy all of a sudden? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that's unfortunately too accurate. Now, the other part of the conversation uh, on the other side is the constant question is, is it still going to be Joe Biden? My only answer to that is yes. And the reason I think it's yes is don't you think we would have heard of some other plan? It would have leaked by now if it wasn't, is my, is my thinking. We would have heard, it would have leaked if there was some convention plan or something. But maybe, maybe no, you have a different I, view. I have a totally different Good. view. I think Good. there's almost no chance that Joe Biden is the nominee. I mean, I've been oh, saying wow. that for a okay. while now. Okay. Um, uh, so what I think will happen, I, you don't have to have much of a plan. Right. If if Biden withdraws from the nomination, remember, at that point, the vice president is irrelevant. Yep. Right. Correct. Uh, Because the president at the convention has to pick their their vice presidential nominee. So um, we're president, you know, presidential nominee has to pick the vice presidential nominee. So there's no issue there. You only need a handful of people to know about the plan. Okay. And basically, it just comes down to that point. You say, listen, for health reasons, I cannot continue, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Okay. And then you throw it open to a a, a brokered convention. Okay. Um, so what you would do is on the first round of voting, uh, you would have all the superdelegates um, vote for whoever they wanted all over the place. Then there would be no nominee who got enough then the next vote would be open. And at that point, I think you're looking at uh, Michelle Obama, uh, Gavin Newsom, and probably those are the top two. Is anyone going to make an argument for the vice president, Kamala Harris? No. Outside of the, Doug Elmore? Kamala Harris, you know, Kamala Harris is a superdelegate, gets a vote uh, on that. And so I expect Kamala Harris will have one vote. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and they lived by this sword with her, um, and it's she just never had it. And she's she's not she's not competent. No, she's, she's not up not. to the job, um, and, and that's clear to everybody. I think. I I think the other issue here, and Democrats, we know Democrats are much more strategic about who gets to run for what seat kind of decisions. Yeah. They don't believe, they talk democracy all the time. They use that word, but they don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't believe in it. They play musical chairs with assigned seating when it comes to their elections. Mm-hmm. So 
it's very, very easy to see them accepting, oh, this is our nominee. We're going to go there. And the genius of it is that Republicans across the country will have spent, you know, four years tearing down Joe Biden, deservedly so. And all of a sudden now you have 90 days to shift fire to someone who is entering the race totally without baggage and unscathed. Well, the funny thing is there are so many analogs to previous elections. I think there's a lot of analogs to 79 and 80 right now. But, you know, this Democratic convention is going to be in Chicago. And, um, you know, there is a base of the Democratic Party that's very unhappy with Joe Biden. Who knows what could happen in Chicago? It's a tough city. But it's also the city of Barack Obama. He may be controlling that convention. That, oh, without a doubt, he is controlling that convention. And I was going to add that as well, and I'm glad you brought that up, is that the Obama and Biden camps, there's some impression it seems to be from the outside that they're the same thing. They are not. They're That's right. Pause on not. that. Pause on that. Let me break and have you pick up on that when we come right back. Sam Stone is my guest, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Sam Stone is my guest. That's the Mary Tyler Moore theme. That was Minneapolis. What sitcoms were in Chicago? The Bob Newhart Show? Was Bosom Buddies? No. What was the one with Velky, the Russian immigrant, the cousins? Oh, what was that? That was in Chicago, I think. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, ER was in Chicago. Oh, That's ER, yeah. 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 Okay. What other sitcoms were in Chicago? Not a lot. Not a lot, no, but I remember the Bob Newhart again, the theme, and you see him walking LA. by. Yeah. yeah, he's walking by the Florsheim shoe store. I just loved. I love that stuff. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so Barack Obama's hometown, uh, talk to or at least his home territory. So, so you think he's that there is a distinction between the Biden and the Obama camps in certain respects? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you don't get to the point uh, that Joe Biden has in politics without developing your own inner circle, likewise Barack Obama. And while there is some overlap between those circles, uh, they're not the the same group of people. And so, uh, you know, part of this comes down to probably if if there was a move to replace Biden, comes down to some backdoor deal-making for those people who are around Biden to stay in power in some capacity or another. Um, but but let's just throw this out there. If Barack Obama walks on the stage in Chicago and says, I love Joe, I made Joe my vice president, but Joe, it's time for us to pick a new standard bearer for this party. Joe Biden's done. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, he. If yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, no, I get it. You don't. Yeah, yeah no, that's. Uh, yeah, it's Hulk Hogan versus. Uh, yeah, I, whatever the analogy is. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, yeah. right. I mean, no, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, at that point, because for the average Democrat, they, they worship Obama. Yes, correct. Um, they tolerate Joe Biden. Correct. Always have. Always have. It was always a love story with Obama and a like story with Biden at best, at best. Yeah. A shrug of the shoulders. All right. If he's the guy, he's the guy. But uh, I, I guess I guess the other question on that on that whole on that on that whole scenario is, Sam, how hard how hard does the Democratic Party have it right now with that disgruntled base, with the people that are trying to run down the White House gates, with the Hamas wing of the Democratic Party? How strong is that? Or do you think they just shut up and go away? Or do you think it's 1968 all over again? No, no, they'll shut up and go away. Our side keeps cheering when these little fishers show up in the Democrat Party. But uh, look, when it comes election time, they all just 
fall in line. They, mm-hmm. they have for years now. It doesn't matter who the nominee is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just don't buy that at all. I mean, you had all those, you know, Bernie, Bernie people who yeah. are out there going, I'll never, you know, I'll never support a Hillary Clinton. Well, they were all out there yep. supporting Hillary Clinton. Yep. Yep. So I, I just don't buy that at all. All right. You want to go from massively national and international to massively local? No pants, light rail ride? What the hell? Sam, yeah, mass, massively uh, key, key word in there. Um, and goodness gracious, I don't know what, you know, the funny thing I read, uh, I forget who it was, one of the early pioneers of the, uh, you know, lesbian and gay movement yeah. when it was just the L's and, and G's. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and they, they said, listen, you know, our big battle when we first started out was we'd like, you know, set up to hold a parade and all these freaks would show up and want to be out in the front of the thing. Yeah. And we have to go and find like the the gay Republicans yep. in their you know tucked in khakis and corduroys right, right. and put them up front. Right. Um, the Democrat Party is, in some sense, a, a party of hedonism. I mean, that's really what holds it together more than anything else. Zero restraints. Zero yeah, self control. Yeah. Zero self control. Right. Whatever feels good, do uninhibited that. exhibition of the self. Yeah. Yes. And and to me, and and they really believe and seem to feel like these things are super positive societally. Um, the problem is that you know, light rail is a public forum where people who are going to work and taking their children to school have mm-hmm. to get on it and use it also. And. They, those folks have a right not to have a bunch of people in see-through underwear and, and cosplay fetish gear, um, you know, running up and down the, the, the light rail train with them. I mean, that's just... That and if you see the right. pictures, I mean, it's as, any, it's as bad as anything you can imagine. It really is. Yeah. No, it's, it's horrid. The, the photos are disgusting. I, you know, I avoided looking at more than a few of them. Right. Unfortunately, I've seen this before because it's been going on for a number of years. I actually uh, just it, don't. I, yeah, I mean, it bothers me. I mean, I, I could get in trouble for saying this, but I'm looking at I'm looking at a public dis- a public display of mental health deficits. That's what I'm looking at. I really I am. The idea that people feel they yeah. need to do this in public. What is what is this, Sam? What is the psychology that says I have to do this in public? Well, when again, when your entire worldview is essentially self-centered hedonism, right? Yeah. Then you know all you have to do is is promote yourself, and when any type of promotion of self, regardless of its impacts on the people around you, is seen as a positive, and therefore that's what they do. And I, I just think it's a it's a diluted and unbelievably selfish worldview. I think it is deleterious to their goals. I mean, if you're, you know, I, I laugh and I, I kind of like this thing because it brings attention to what a disaster the dang light rail is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a Democrat who wants to expand light rail and see this become a, a more viable mode of transportation, then you know what? You have to get the, the perverts in their their fetish gear off of it. And you have to get the passed out drunks off of it. And you have to get the drug use, the people who are, are smoking and shooting fentanyl in the back of it off of it. And you have to clean it up and make it a clean, viable form of transportation for a normal human being. 
And they seem to do everything they can in every city to move, to go the other direction and turn these things into rolling freak shows. Yeah, I just – yes, nice – well put, a rolling freak show. And what I don't understand is their inability to read the room of – I, I guess that I guess they want to push barriers. I guess they want to shock. My question is to what end? Who is it good for? Um, what is it going to help? What is it going to do? Except to say, I mean, it is an expression, which is really a forcing out of a, a forcing out of your own emotions. It's it's a it's it's a forcing out of your emotions on the public that doesn't want to see or hear them. Yeah, I, and I mean, generally, I, I don't ascribe any of it much higher motive than um, than a, a delirious and demented uh, celebration of self by these individuals. Okay, I can live with that. I mean, but it is I, called I public transportation. And yeah, and, that, not, and that's not why your, Yeah, <laughs> my truth, your transportation, right? That This is the version right. of that. No, it's my transportation. It's not public transportation, right? Yeah, and, and cities that were smarter than Phoenix yeah. would put a stop to this. I would hope so. I would hope so. All right, Sam Stone, uh, congrats on your Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Sounds like a... Almost sounds like a Simon and Garfunkel album, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. I love it. I, I, I think they wrote that. It's one of the unreleased tracks. I, it must be. It must be. God love you, brother. I'll see you soon, I hope. Absolutely, Seth. Go get him. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have an investment that invests most of the power with you ton of flexibility where you are in control in this secure and collateralized portfolio they offer up. You, of course, get a monthly statement with no surprises. You have a total peace of mind. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. There are absolutely no fees. And you can, of course, turn your income on or off or compound it, whatever you like. But with Y-Refi, you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y dot com. Um, or you can visit them. They're based, uh, they're based in Phoenix at uh, Chauncey Lane, North Phoenix. No sales pitches. They won't ask you to sign anything. Great guys. Uh, that's the weird thing about this, these, these public displays of whatever you want to call it that took place on the light rail. This no pants day. I saw a guy in leather shorts. Shorts would be a stretch. It's really a leather speedo, and it says fetish right across it. If you're so comfortable with yourself in this mode or whatever you want to call it, why do you need public validation? Why do you need public validation if you are comfortable with yourself? That's why I say that there is some kind of cognitive going on, cognitive goings on here. There are cognitive goings on here. And... um, to celebrate and normalize uh, this kind of delusion is um, – it's a shock. Now, I, I say this because – and it's meant to shock. And I don't think society needs more shocking. I say this as someone who is in his 50s and I just sometimes wonder if I'm becoming an old fuddy-duddy. But young David, that's why we keep you in our back pocket to keep me grounded. <laughs> 
Am I being I'm, an old fuddy-duddy about this? Am I becoming younger, my grandparents? The younger years. No, I, I don't think so. I think you are appealing to something that is very true in the sense that is it truly necessary to do all these things if one is already comfortable in of themselves? And I don't think that they are. Yeah, I think that's right. I think but I think right. that appeals to uh, not just those that were on the <laughs> no-pants ride here right, in Phoenix. Sure. I think that appeals to... A lot of groups in America. Oh yeah, oh, you know, yeah. there are a yeah. lot of self-loathing leftists yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. It comes from a place of loathing leftism in the first place. After all, um, the revolution doesn't take place if everything is going okay for people, right? All right, David. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you all. Until tomorrow, I am Seth Leibson. God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.